share a message tonight that's not necessarily a Jerminian message. Um, it's not in a, a normal uh, message out of like my repertoire, um, but I felt just the, uh, the importance of the Lord on it, um, and you can decide whether or not <laughs> for yourself. Um, but I want to reiterate something that I was talking about last week, um, about how good of a life I've had growing up in the United States of America. I know like some of us have had a rough go, but it's not the nation's fault necessarily. Maybe you just had some wounded parents, but like, did anybody else really enjoy their childhood in the U.S. of A., the great states, the 50 nifty United States from the 13 original colonies? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Alabama, Alaska, Arizona. Um, yeah, I really had a great childhood. I loved um, the the peace and protection that I felt, you know, growing up. I could ride my bicycle down the street. Um, I loved my soccer games and baseball games and going to the movies and road trips. Um, I loved feasting. Oh, I loved feasting. I still love feasting. Thank you, Jesus. The, our uh, our uh, Thanksgiving is coming up, Lord. I was a Boy Scout, in fact, an Eagle Scout. I loved all my Christmas presents. I love uh, love our Constitution, our amendments, and the system of checks and balances, I believe, are actually divinely inspired in many ways. I think that our founding fathers tapped into the heart of God with those. Um, But we need to realize something that the U.S., let me me rephrase like this, Uh, God doesn't need the United States to advance his kingdom. We can either be on his side or not on his side. I would much rather our country be on his side because we're part of a kingdom that transcends borders and people groups and colors and nations and races and languages. Every tribe, tongue, and language is going to bow at at Jesus, and and they're going to shout out that name that is above every name. Um, And so... uh, you know, it sure looks like we're kind of like, as a nation, we're in a precarious spot. It's just what it looks like, and it, and it feels like it. And a lot of uh, prophets and even some secular commentators are saying things like martial law may be inescapable at this point. And it's, and it's going to take a lot to turn a ship that is this big. Um, but we can. And and. And our platform isn't social media, it's on our knees in our prayer closets, in groups where we're agreeing with other believers. It's, it's on this carpet, it's in this room shouting out that Jesus is king over our nation and, and declaring the truth of God's heart for our country so that it causes a turning. We appeal to a much higher court than the Supreme Court on earth. He's the king over our nation, and guess what? We're his kids. You know, when, my, when I, like, decree something over my kids, um, did you know that sometimes they can change my mind? My little Evelyn, especially, she can just bat her, her big doe eyes at me and say, but daddy, <laughs> I want a food bowl. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I, I want ice cream. I'm like, okay. And <clears throat> we're his kids. Like, we have 
access to his heart. And I'm not, I don't want to get into like any kind of discussion about his sovereignty or the ability to change God's mind or anything like that. I just want you to know that you're his kid. You can crawl up into his lap and say, Papa, I don't, I, I don't think that ISIS should have a foothold in our country. I know that we've sown a whole bunch of demonic seeds and we're reaping a whole bunch of stuff. Would you snatch up those seeds before they take root, Papa? I don't think that Ebola has a place in my borders, Lord. Would you push it back? And right now we blow back that storm and we take the death out of it right now in Jesus' name. We say not in our city. Um. So that was the intro. Uh, this is, I want to talk about the, our response as believers to violence. And I think it's an extremely re- relevant topic right now. Uh, there, did you know this, that there are 10 wars going on right now? And, and the, a war is classified by 1,000 or more deaths per year? There are 10 wars going on right now. You know, we know about a few of them or I've heard about a few of them on our news, there's uh, even more military conflicts on top of that. Um, ISIS, you guys have heard of ISIS, right? It's the Islamic State. Um, They are demonically inspired to torture Christian children and crush the babies of believers. Ten ISIS agents have been apprehended trying to cross the southern border so far. Four of them were caught in the last 36 hours. Um, guys, I'm not going to impart an ounce of fear tonight because Jesus isn't worried about these rats. I'm not calling humans rats. I'm calling those demons rats. Jesus is on the throne. He's not thinking, oh, no. <laughs> they came through Mexico. What do I do now, God? Like, <laughs> what are we going to do about these guys? You know, he's not worried. Um, but he has given us, let me say this. You can believe that this is judgment from God, or you can call it reaping and sowing. I prefer to call it reaping and sowing, because I believe that we have, we have sowed seeds that now we are reaping. And I prefer to call it um, sowing and reaping, because I think it more accurately portrays our place in the kingdom as rulers on this earth. He handed planet earth to us, right? You guys understand that? We're part of a kingdom, and we're his kids. He's the king of kings. He's the lord of lords. That's you. I'm, the, the secular kings of the world are not bowing their knees to Jesus. So what kings is he talking about? You. And so you can call this God's judgment if you want to. I prefer to call it sowing and reaping. And so what's happened is we have sowed seeds of death and destruction, and now we're reaping them, right? It's it's a universal law that God set up when he spoke words. It's so universal that even non-believers and and pagan, uh, you know, worshipers know it. They call it karma, the up and comings. (laughs) You know, what what you do is going to come back on you. So it's not my goal to impart any kind of fear today. It's always my goal to have and impart a kingdom-based worldview. In other words, what's heaven saying about this? Right? 
We know what everyone on earth is saying about it, but what's heaven saying about it? Um, and before we get into uh, this topic, I'm going to be like talking about the nonviolent nature of Christ, but also um, the other side of the coin. Uh, this is not a one-dimensional topic. Um, we have a tendency to make God into our image instead of realizing that we are made into his image. And so we have to realize that there are things about his image and nature that we don't actually understand yet. Are you guys comfortable facing that fact with me? Does does anyone in here know every part of God's heart yet? Okay, because if you do, I'd love to see you levitate into heaven right now. Because you'd be like Enoch. You walked with God and we're not tonight. Okay, so pacifism. Uh, Jesus demonstrates this life, this, his life, in his life, um, and he shows us that his weapons of war, warfare are not carnal, but they're divine. He shows us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, forces of darkness in this present evil world. Jesus shows us that uh, we gain our lives by losing them. Uh, we didn't actually see Jesus popping caps in religious gang- gangsters, did we? Right? He didn't assert his rule through force. Jesus is a lamb that was slain. Jesus is a slain lamb that won the world by laying down his life. And let me tell you this, it didn't look kingly or victorious in that moment. It didn't look dignified. Not in the slightest. A mistreated, beaten man bleeding on a cross equals God's greatest show of love for us. And for centuries, I believe we've missed the nonviolent plans of God to win the world. And right now, we have bloodthirsty Christians that want to kill bloodthirsty Muslims. And I want you to know that Satan can't cast out Satan. We appeal to a higher court. We don't need more crusades. We don't need to wipe out another people group with smallpox blankets. We don't need another inquisition. Even our vicious arguments and debates against other Christians only expose and show that we don't understand God's gentle heart. Jesus went silently before his murderers. He opened not his mouth, like a lamb led to slaughter. In other words, he wasn't defending himself. And even to his captors on that night, he essentially said, I'm not leading a rebellion, I speak openly in the squares. And he even told Peter to put away the sword. Jesus turned the other cheek. In Hebrews 13, 6, it says, So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear. What shall man do unto me? And guys, I honestly, I get concerned sometimes and somewhat embarrassed that Christians, usually identified as right-wing political type folks, are most well-known for gun-toting mentality and violent conflict resolution, coming to that conclusion the fastest. Isn't that kind of embarrassing? That that's what the world perceives Christians as? I told you it's not a a normal Jeremy message. 
<clears throat> I believe that our violent tendencies as believers are a result of our twisted view of the heart of God and we perceive him as angry and vindictive. But just recently and lately, we are starting to understand that Jesus wasn't saving us from the Father. He was saving us from our sins. Now, before we go way too far over into pacifism land, uh, I want to talk about other things that we know about God's personality pertaining to this subject. Psalm 7, verse 10, he saves the upright, and he has prepared deadly weapons for his enemies. <laughs> I flipped the script on you, didn't I? This is the other, this is the other side. This is the other side of God's heart. Jesus uh, apparently didn't get the memo that nonviolence is the theological way to handle bullies when he turned over the tables in the temple. How about when he, in, in that scene when he was beating the money changers with a whip that he designed earlier that day? That was a premeditated whipping. <laughs> First degree whipping. <laughs> and he's the maker of our hindsights. I want you to understand he knew exactly how to hurt him. Like he, <laughs> he was there when your hindsight was designed in your mother's womb and he knew exactly how to lay a mean welt on that thing. <laughs> Psalm 69 verse 9, zeal for your house consumes me. The insults of those who insult you have fallen upon me. How about this one? Psalm 85, verse 65. The Lord awoke as if from sleep, like a warrior overcome by strong drink. He beat back his enemies and put them to everlasting shame. Did you guys catch that? The Lord awoke like a warrior that was overcome by strong drink. Have you ever uh, been around a guy that woke up with a hangover? I mean, I've never had a hangover, but Vince told me it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but can you imagine the Lord like he's seeing the enemy afflict his children his bride and he he just and beats back his enemies <laughs> Jesus forcefully and fiercely loves. He is not a passive advocate of rape or abuse. Just because we don't see him walk into the room and stop it doesn't mean that he's endorsing it or using it to teach us something. One of the core attributes of God's, of God's heart is his jealous love. I love this verse out of Proverbs 6.34. Now that I'm married, I understand it even more. It says, For jealousy arouses a husband's fury, and he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. Okay, so who, who would a husband be jealous over? His family or his bride? And who's Jesus' bride? us. So when, when we're being afflicted 
by demonically inspired people or just demons in general trying to invade our own thought life and make us hate ourselves. I want you to know that he's going to show no mercy to the enemy. He's going to show no mercy to your enemy. This is not a uh, politically correct message or anything like that. Um, it's just what I've been t- studying with the Lord recently. Um, but I want you guys to understand that um, there is a, a, a deranged version of Christian pacifism. And you could say that a fruit of it is the death of six million Jews in World War II. We sat back and waited. All violence should be avoided any way we can avoid it. But apathy can also be lethal. Loving someone doesn't mean that we stand by idly when they hurt themselves or others. God, I mean, standing by and allowing someone, this is, this is something that is in the heart of everyone, especially men. It's in the heart of every man. If you see a defenseless person getting beat Something rises up in you. If you see a child or a woman being abused, like if, if you don't have a desire to step in and do some serious business, then I, like check your pulse. I mean, it's in the heart of every man to defend. Do you know why? Because it's in the heart of God to defend. He is our strong defense. Standing by and allowing someone to to rape your wife or hurt your children is not representing the protective heart of Father God to your family. In fact, it would make you some kind of sick cohort. We can't have we can't have this mamby pamby Jesus that's devoid of emotional response. He's a man with emotions. And in the heart of man is a jealous anger that burns at the oppression of the weak. God is not some abstract force. Jesus is a person with emotion. And he even scolded his disciples at times. And he definitely scolded religious leaders. I'm not saying that he's moody or vindictive. He loves his enemies. But his anger and his justice will flare up at the demonic oppression of his children. And I want you guys to understand this too. He disciplines those he loves. Um, right now, I'm, I'm dealing with uh, figuring out how to discipline well my son, Judah. He's, he's four years old and he's a handful. And there are times when he gets way off kilter, way off into crazy land in our house. In fact, just this week, he grabbed our... Uh, our, our stamp for our envelopes that has our address, like the return address stamp, and he stamped our, our white walls all, all over our, our living room. So our address is all over the walls of our living room now. That kind of aroused my fury. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to discipline Judah so well right now, but I want you to understand that I hate it. I hate the moment when I have to lay some kind of um, uh, discipline on him, some kind of consequence for an action. I hate that moment. But if I hold back my hand, then I don't love him. I spank Judah so that police don't have to later. 
because I love him. Again, this, this is not like a political message. It's not a message about spanking either. Um, but God, if we, if we don't like the idea of, let me say it like this. If I don't like the idea of God disciplining me, then I'm in danger of being a bastard son, an illegitimate child that doesn't know my father's love. I just quoted Hebrews 13 for you in case you're uncomfortable with that term that I used. Sorry, Hebrews 12. Verse 7, God is not a non-intervening God. He intervened in the most dramatic way. Now, we are his hands and feet on the earth, and sometimes we can't reason with bullies. I'm not endorsing violence, but I am endorsing sanity. If someone is breaking into your house, pray for a non-violent resolution, but defend your family, because he is a defender of those that are weaker. This is a complex issue that I'm trying to handle as well as possible. Romans 13.4 says that the king does not wield the sword for nothing. But if we live by it, we die by it. So I'm not saying give, give in to like this, this heart of vengeance or anything like that, or embrace this anger. I'm saying that the, the king does not wield the sword for nothing. I'll just leave it at that. Um, and have you guys ever wondered how long Peter was carrying around that sword before he pulled it out on the night that Jesus was betrayed and cut off that guard's ear? It must have been like a normal thing, right, for Peter just to carry around a sword. Did he have a license? A concealed sword license? <laughs> a CSL? <clears throat> But in that moment, Jesus told him to put it away. He was entrusting his life into his father's hands. And um, that's where it gets a little, um, that's where we get confused sometimes, or it gets complex. There are times when, when violence is coming against you, Jesus actually promised that it's coming for us. He said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. They persecuted me, they're going to persecute you, because no servant is greater than his master. So if you just came in to the family and your natural family or friends don't understand it and you're getting persecuted, it actually says to rejoice because they treated Jesus in the same way and that means that you look like Jesus now. Um, sorry, there's a bunny trail. Our second amendment was not given so that we could hunt. I love hunting, but it wasn't given so that we can hunt. The Second Amendment was given um, as a last-ditch protection against a corrupt government. It's a final system of checks and balances. Our founding fathers didn't want the king of England and his men coming in and raping their wives. That's where the Second Amendment came from. That's what was happening. Um, Guys, I'm not saying that we become Christian doomsday preppers with motion-activated laser beams and minefields around our property or hide in bunkers where we pipe in Glenn Beck and Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> but having, having our right to bear arms is, is actually probably a big reason why this experiment called the USA has lasted so long. I, I honestly don't think that Putin or ISIS is afraid of Obama. 
I think that they fear the rednecks and hillbillies. <laughs> I I think that they fear those hillbillies in the mountains with snake pits and bombs made out of Copenhagen snuff cans. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually getting way off topic. This <clears throat> has nothing to do with politics, has nothing to do with gun laws. I'm not a nationalist, and I'm not advocating uh, guns or anything like that, although I personally enjoy shooting guns. It's fun. Um, I'm preaching the heart of the Father concerning an intricate issue. And, I mean, how could I endorse our government anyway that legalizes the murder of like hundreds of millions of innocent babies? My hope is not in my government. I promise you that. Our government's not going to save us. Jesus is. We need Jesus in our land. <clears throat> True Christian nonviolence means that we die to save another before we kill our enemy. It's not idle passivity. It is to love our enemies and lay down our lives for brothers. We should be very slow to anger so that there's time for wisdom to have a voice. We should be careful how we react and even how we defend ourselves. But I do want to say this. If you're in an abusive situation, get out. You don't owe them anything, and you shouldn't have some kind of twisted false martyr complex. If that man wants to act like a gorilla, he can stay in the jungle alone. There's a verse that says, Precious in his sight are the deaths of his saints. And um, I want... You know, that's not like, oh, precious, like one of my saints has died. Like how wonderful he laid down. It's, you know, it's not precious like that. It, it actually means costly in his sight is the death of a saint. Costly like a precious stone. And I'm telling you, if you, if you stand before the Lord, a couple decades before you were supposed to stand before the Lord, he's going to look at you and be like, what are you doing here, man? I've been, I've been sanctifying you and training you for decades so that you could release my love on planet Earth for another couple decades. It's costly. He spent decades making us into a better ambassador of his kingdom. If we get taken out before our time, he's going to have to raise up someone else. Right? That's how an army works. Um, I don't want us to be more romantically drawn to the idea of martyrdom than we are excited about living this adventure. We're not escapists. We're overcomers. And we have an obligation to defend the weak. We can't let the fatherlessness of our nation turn us into sissies. This is, I mean, a message predominantly to men, but it's in, it's in every one of our hearts. There are times when we have to stand up and, and defend someone who's weaker. We have to defend. Um, 
And that's my message on the pacifist heart of Jesus tonight. Um, <clears throat> again, the reason uh, the reason this I I started down this um, wild road of revelation um, is because I saw what seems to be coming on our nation. And again, I want us to be mentally prepared for the day that we have to face violence. I once heard Mike Bickle say that he is mentally prepared to see his children martyred in front of him and not disown Jesus. And I know that that's crazy heavy talk. That, I mean, we're not supposed to dwell there. We're supposed to dwell on things that are praiseworthy. But you can visit there and get prepared in your heart. I also want you to know that um, your death costs the enemy greatly too. When, when Jesus died, his blood ransomed you. Unless a grain of seed falls to the ground and dies, it abideth alone. But if it falls to the ground and dies, it will produce a harvest of 30 or 60 or 100 fold. Jesus laid down his life and he reaped you. He sowed blood, and he harvested you. We have the exact same blood flowing through our veins. The blood of the martyrs actually ransoms souls out of the domain of darkness. But I want to make sure that none of us are visiting the pearly gates before our time. <laughs> okay? I know it's an interesting message. Let's pray that God somehow makes sense of it in our brains. Jesus, we love you, Lord, and we pray for our nation. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, um, from, from our place where we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, we decree that ISIS will not prevail. In fact, ISIS will not carry out terrorist plots against our nation. We disagree with the plans of the enemy. We much prefer peace and prosperity. Jesus, that's, that's what we want in our nation. And so we repent on behalf of our country for all the demonic seeds that we have sown. For all the seeds of death and destruction that we've sown, Lord, we ask that you would swoop in and snatch up those seeds before they take root. And every, every boomerang of death that we've thrown that's coming back on us full speed, snatch it out of the air, Lord. We repent on behalf of our leaders, and we ask for a great turning to Jesus in every level of our government. A great turning to Jesus at every level of our government. Jesus, we want a great turning to Jesus at every level of our government. Father, we bless President Obama and Michelle Obama, and we bless their children. We, we bless that family, Lord. And Father, we make way in the heaven for an encounter with your goodness right now in Jesus' name. We say that our prayers are digging a portal above his head so that he gets a revelation of Christ. Send revival to our nation, Lord. Send revival to our nation, Lord. We want the United States of America to be a praise on the earth, a city set on the hill. 
We want her righteousness to go forth like the dawn and her salvation like a lamp that burns. We want our land to be called Beulah, which means sought after, and Hephzibah, which means married to the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.